0: It's the Happy Families
1: Podcast.
0: It's the podcast for the time-poor parent who just wants answers
1: now. Time doesn't heal anything. It's what you do with your time that matters. So I like to tell people our emotional wounds are like our physical wounds. You have to take care of them. And now here's the stars of our show. My mom and dad.
0: Hello, this is Dr. Justin Coulson, the parenting expert on Channel 9's parental guidance and the founder of happyfamilies.com.au. Unfortunately, Mrs. Happy Families, Kylie, couldn't be with us today. Uh, Every now and again, these things pop up and uh, suddenly I'm doing the podcast on my own. I miss her terribly, but I'm delighted to be able to share the podcast today with a best-selling author from overseas. Amy Morin is a licensed clinical social worker and instructor at Northeastern University and a psychotherapist, and she's the author of the International bestseller, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, 13 Things Mentally Strong Parents Don't Do, and 13 Things Mentally Strong Women Don't Do. Amy's done a whole lot of other stuff that is just brilliant, Uh, but today we're going to talk about her book, 13 Things Strong Kids Do. So Amy, thanks for being part of the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me on your show.
0: So Amy, one of your books is called 13 Things Mentally Strong Parents. Don't Do. That's not the book we're going to spend most of our time on today, but because this is a parenting podcast, I think we've got to spend at least a couple of minutes talking about 13 things mentally strong parents don't do. Can we just talk a bit about the challenges that you found when you were researching the book and talking to parents and and also their positive alternatives?
1: Yeah. So a lot of parents uh, struggle in terms of how do you help kids in today's world? We, When they're sad, we want to cheer them up. When they're struggling, we want to fix things for them. It's quicker. It's easier to just step in and take action for them. But we know a lot of kids aren't getting the skills that they need when they looked at studies where they asked college students, were you prepared for college? The vast majority of them said academically, yes, but the vast majority of them also said emotionally no i wasn't prepared so i wanted to write a book for parents to know okay how do you make sure that your kids have all the emotional social and mental health skills that they need to thrive in life
0: but what's your background like what prompted this interest you've got a you've got a strong background in this area but but for our listeners just just fill us in a bit on on where you came from and how you ended up being interested in this in the first place
1: Sure. So I'm a therapist and I thought I was going to teach people about mental strength based on what I learned in college. But I went through a series of losses in my own life. My mother passed away suddenly. And at the age of 26, I became a widow and my husband passed away and I lost my father-in-law. And after a decade of grief throughout it all, I worked as a therapist and really just studied the people who came into my therapy office to figure out Why some people went through tough times and grew from it and why other people went through tough times and felt like they were stuck. One of the things I realized fairly early on was people who didn't have certain bad habits tended to do better in life. So that led to my first book, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. And when that book came out, I had lots of questions from parents about how do we teach this to kids And for most of my adult life, I was a foster parent. So, and I was a therapeutic foster parent, which meant I had a lot of kids who had the worst behavioral problems, emotional issues and mental health problems. And so I was using the strategies that I was using at home and figuring out how do I apply these things to to my therapy office as well. And that's what led to the parenting book.
0: You highlighted that when some people came into your office experiencing trauma, sadness, challenge, adversity, volatility in their lives, they grew from it. And there were some who didn't. Can we talk about the people who didn't grow? What what, yeah. what were they doing that, that stopped their progression?
1: So a lot of people bought into that notion that time heals everything. And so they waited. They waited to see until they felt better. Like, okay, uh, I went through some tough times, horrible things happened to me. I just sit and wait long enough, life will get better again. And That's not true. That time doesn't heal anything. It's what you do with your time that matters. So I like to tell people our emotional wounds are like our physical wounds. You have to take care of them. Ignoring them doesn't make them go away. It doesn't make them better. And if you have a broken bone and you ignored it, it might not heal properly. Same thing happens with our emotional wounds. You have to take care of them. And sometimes that's about talking to people about it. Sometimes it's about embracing really uncomfortable emotions like sadness and anxiety Rather than trying to go around those feelings, which is what we often do, is we try to make ourselves go around it. We distract ourselves. We numb ourselves to the pain. We do anything we can to feel better in the moment, and we're not really healing our wounds.
0: Yeah, wow. And, and the strong people, the people who grew, if you were to pick three of the 13 things that they were doing, what, what, what really stood out as surprising uh, habits, surprising behaviors that seemed to bring that healing, things that they actually do?
1: Well, I talk about what they don't do, so I'll tell you those things. So they don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves. So many people will say, no, you have to feel sorry for yourself for a while. Nope, actually, you don't. It's good to be sad, but self-pity is when you start to magnify how bad your life is, when you become helpless and hopeless. So people who are mentally strong refuse to do that. They say, okay, I'll let myself be sad, but I'm not going to convince myself that my life is so bad that it could never get better. Another one is that mentally strong people don't give away their power. So often we say stuff like, oh, so-and-so makes me feel bad about myself or my boss ruined my day. When we say those things, we give somebody else power over our lives. And the truth is, it's up to you to decide how you think, how you feel and how you behave and taking back your power is about saying, nope, I'm in charge. This is my life. I'm going to do everything I can to make the best of it. I decide who I spend my time with, how I spend it, what I'm going to do today, all of those things. And uh, another one would be that mentally strong people um, don't make the same mistakes over and over again. You know, we, I think it's almost glorified in today's world to make a mistake. And I see so many people bragging about their failures or how they messed up, but they don't really learn from it. And it's tempting sometimes to hide our mistakes or pretend they didn't happen until way down the road. And then maybe once we succeed, we're like, well, I failed twice along the way, but we don't want to talk about those things in the moment because it's embarrassing or we don't know how the story is going to end yet. And so it's really about figuring out, okay, you make a mistake. We all make them all the time. How do you own it? And then how do you learn from it?
0: So this all applies not just to us as individuals, but it applies to us as parents and it applies to our kids. Right after the break, we're going to talk to Amy about 13 things strong kids do and how we can help to raise our kids to be resilient. It's the happy families podcast. Are screens creating tension at home? Tweens, Teens and Screens is a webinar to guide families to healthy, safe, super screen solutions. Buy today at happyfamilies.com.au slash shop. It's the Happy Families Podcast, the podcast for the time poor parent who just wants answers. Now, uh, this is Dr. Justin and I'm hanging out with Amy Moran today, who is from the States and is a bestselling author of a multitude of books. All about uh, We're just going to call it the 13 Things series, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, 13 Things Mentally Strong Parents Don't Do. And today, or for the rest of the podcast at least, we're going to talk about her book, 13 Things Strong Kids Do, which uh, has uh, really captured our family. Our kids have been spending their time in Amy's beautiful book, which is actually written for kids and illustrated for kids and is set out for kids, uh, 13 Things Strong Kids Do. And as the school year sort of gets going, I think it's important that we talk about these kinds of topics. Amy, let's shift the focus to children. Uh, You've released 13 Things Strong Kids Do. Uh, Talk us through some of these things and how we can encourage our children to practice them.
1: Yeah, I really wanted to make it a book about if kids learn how to do these things now, then when they grow up, they might not have the bad habits that adults tend to have, like feeling sorry for yourself. So in this book, I try to talk about how to to persevere, how kids can get through tough times, how they can cope with uncomfortable feelings, things that usually aren't taught in school, things that our parents don't know how to teach us. I wanted kids to learn, okay, it's okay. I can get through tough times. I can learn from them. I can make a mistake and own it. How do I own my mistakes? How do I bounce back when I fail? How do I, I get through these really difficult, uncomfortable experiences in a way that help me grow stronger and become better?
0: Amy, at the start of our conversation, you talked about how research shows that children are prepared for university life. They're prepared for uh the academic aspects of their young adulthood but they're not prepared in any other way socially emotionally I mean, it's not all kids some kids are great obviously but but many aren't they they move into that young adulthood transition of their lives and even into adulthood and, and like you've just said there they haven't figured out what these things are they grow up and kind of repeat our mistakes but in a different context because we didn't have screens and they do or, or something like that um why do you think that this stuff is not taught in school why are we so focused academically and so unbalanced in terms of teaching kids about psychology and and i know it's partly because teachers aren't trained to be psychologists and teach well-being and resilience but but, but there's got to be more to it than that
1: i think we have this idea that kids will just learn it as they go like okay you're in school learning about math so somehow you'll then develop social skills with this notion that that will sort of be the secondary thing and Parents often think teachers will teach it and teachers often think parents are going to teach it. And then it ends up that nobody teaches it. And kids do learn a lot by observation. They look at adults. How do you guys get along? What do you do when you disagree on something? But we don't always role model awesome things for them. And a lot of kids don't have good role models at all. So it's important to have conversations and to explain to them, too, why we make certain choices If you decide if you committed to going to something on Saturday and then you decide not to go, you might explain to your kids, well, grandma got sick and I decided that's more important. That's why I didn't go to that soccer game I had said I was going to go watch because otherwise kids kind of draw their own conclusions about stuff. And as a therapist, I'll see parents who are very well-meaning and they try to protect their kids from things, but they don't talk about it. Then their kids draw their own conclusions like, mom or dad doesn't care about this or mom or dad thinks this is more important. And we shouldn't burden our kids with adult responsibilities, but sometimes they need to know oh, I'm working overtime, not because I don't like spending time with you, but because I care about our family. And this is why I'm working extra hours. Otherwise, kids are going to like, oh, mom or dad doesn't doesn't enjoy spending time with us. So therefore they work on Saturdays. Having conversations like that with kids is really important and also being more aware of what we're modeling for them. Do they see you get irritated and raise your voice? Do they see you lose your temper or do they see you working through things? Do you talk about feelings at home? Like what do you do when you're sad? Usually we don't teach kids how to deal with sad feelings. Instead, we swoop in and try to cheer them up when they're upset.
0: Let's, let's talk about uh, one of these things. A couple of times now as we've had this conversation, you've talked about how mentally strong people and kids don't feel sorry for themselves. That's chapter one of 13 things strong kids do. Uh, They own their mistakes, they create their future, they take calculated risks, they know when to say no. There's a whole lot of other really beautiful ideas. But can you just give us one or two take home messages? If you've got one of those child who, I mean, school started, They've gone to school. Maybe they didn't get the teacher they wanted. Maybe they're not in, the, not sitting in a table group with their friends in class. Perhaps they've moved school and they've got no friends. Maybe they've got a learning disorder or some sort of disability that makes it really hard for them to do school well. And maybe in week two or week three or week four of school, they're starting to say, I feel sorry for myself. This isn't what i want my life to be if there was one or two things that you could say to parents to help them to help their kids to not feel sorry for themselves but yet acknowledge that this is really hard how would you how would you guide us
1: Yeah. Our tendency is often to tell them, well, it's not that bad. Or I would have loved to have had your problems when I was a kid. Those sorts of things are not helpful. You want to validate their feelings. Yeah, that's really hard. I know that's sad. Or let's be really difficult for you. When kids feel heard, then they don't necessarily feel like they have to keep arguing. When you say it's not that bad, they're busy focusing on all the reasons why it is that bad and how you don't understand. So just validate how they feel, even if you don't agree with it. Just saying, putting a name to that feeling like you're sounds like you're sad right now, or I can tell you're probably disappointed when they can name their own emotion. Eventually they'll catch on when you start doing that. That takes a lot of the sting out of it. So a kid who can say I'm sad right now feels a little less sad as soon as they put a label to it. So that's one thing we can do. And another one is to just make gratitude a process in your house. You don't want to force kids to sit down and just write thank you notes when they get a gift. But instead, you can make it about recognizing that there is good things, even in really bad things that happen. Sometimes good things can come out of it. And sometimes parents do this thing where they're like, there's a kid somewhere who would love to eat those vegetables and you're going to throw them away. That doesn't make anybody feel grateful, but instead you can talk about that gift that maybe somebody got them, not just let's write a thank you note for that t-shirt, but instead spend some time thinking, wow, imagine that person shopping and picking out that gift for you. And when we think about that, it kind of flips the switch and makes us realize this person cares about me and it's no longer about the material possession, but it's about being grateful for the people that you have in your life and the kind things that they do for you.
0: Amy, really appreciate you sharing some ideas with us today. Amy Morin is the author of 13 Things Strong Kids Do. Think big, feel good, act brave, and a couple of other bestsellers about 13 Things uh, Strong Parents Don't Do or Mentally Strong People Don't Do. Uh, What a privilege to talk to you. Thanks so much for your time today.
1: Thank you so much for having me on your show.
0: The Happy Families podcast is produced by Justin Roulon from Bridge Media. Craig Bruce is our executive producer. If you'd like more info about making your family happier, you can check out Amy's books, the 13 Things series, especially 13 Things Strong Kids Do. We'll link to that in the show notes so that you can pick up a copy. Uh, alternatively, for a whole lot of other ways to make your family happier, visit happyfamilies.com.au.